Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Hey there, welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks. I am your host, and I am a retail transformation specialist and founder of OB Co, where our goal is to support the retail industry in navigating the difficult market conditions and achieve successful transformation. We offer advice and guidance on creating the ideal omnichannel operating model and then building a realistic roadmap and implementing the changes that ultimately increase profitability give you a competitive edge and ensure you continue to have relevance in the eyes of your customers. I help you drive retail transformation. Thanks so much for tuning in today. This one is episode 222, number 222. Negotiation happens, certainly in the business world, all of the time. And when we're taking on a transformation, it's still going on around us. Now, of course, The obvious negotiation that we experience, whether we want to or not, is around price. Whether it's buying or selling, there is a financial transaction involved. And that finance number, the price, is a nice, easy metric to negotiate on. However, whether you realise it or not, you might also be negotiating with colleagues, suppliers, customers or partners on timescales resources, ownership, support, features and functionality, and many other different attributes or considerations. Negotiation is an essential part of transformation. So in today's episode, let's dive into negotiation as a skill so that you can learn some of the tips and techniques to give you a bit more confidence and a better strategy to take on your next negotiation. To help guide us, I'm delighted to welcome a negotiation expert in the form of Rosie Bailey. Now, Rosie is the CEO and co-founder of Nibble, an award-winning negotiation technology that aims to get a win-win solution between consumers and e-commerce retailers. Rosie started her career in investment banking, actually negotiating multi-million pound deals for companies like Wagamama, Unilever and Jimmy Choo. And she's now using that expertise and that negotiation enthusiasm to grow Nibble, an AI chatbot which negotiates and agrees deals with consumers in less than a minute, which could be on anything from luxury watches to fishing equipment or even home karaoke sets. Rosie passionately supports STEM education and also encourages all of us to hone our real-life negotiation skills too. So I'm excited to get into this one. I think there's going to be loads of tips and suggestions and golden nuggets, of course, to take away. Don't forget to head over to the show notes at obandco.uk slash 222. And whilst you're over there, don't forget to subscribe to the Retail Transformation Briefing. It's my weekly email newsletter that features key headlines from around the world of retail transformation, along with curated insight and intel 
that you don't want to miss out on if you are trying to keep up to speed with the evolving retail market. Sign up for free and get the retail transformation briefing at obandco.uk slash 222. Right, without further ado, let's jump into my conversation with Rosie Bailey. very warm welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. Rosie Bailey, it's fantastic to be talking to you today. Thanks very much. I'm lovely to be here. Really privileged to be on the show. Very excited about finding some things to share, which I hope can be helpful. Absolutely. We're going to have a fantastic conversation about negotiation, which you've got quite a bit of experience now in and certainly a lot of viewpoints and uh, advice on. So I'm really interested to dive in. One of the things with negotiation is arguably around confidence. I know many of us have to negotiate, perhaps not big contracts or big deals, but we are negotiating on a daily basis. But for many, it's not a comfortable action, is it? No, I think that's true. And actually, I was an investment banker before I started Nibble and arguably had to negotiate as part of my job and dreaded it and was quite quite pleased that it was often my my job to advise how to negotiate oh, go in harder on that <laughs> not actually my job to just be in the room you know like and, and it is very different when you're one-to-one with someone and you're trying to get them to agree to something they don't want to agree to so over the years both as a banker and subsequently, and much more so as CEO of Nibble, I've undergone negotiation training. And you realize a lot of it's about confidence. Mm. A huge amount of that confidence comes from preparation. And I think one thing that really irritates me, so she stopping herself using rude words, um, is on the online, when you look for advice about this, everyone says you have to be an FBI negotiator. And, and actually, you can just be yourself, but you just need to prepare and think about it. And there are some really great techniques that anyone can pick up that I'm happy to elaborate on. Let's, let's stick with the FBI negotiator. So what's, what I'm thinking as an FBI negotiator is you know, quite hard, you know, defining out the red lines, playing, should we call it games in terms of, right, I'm going to verbally hang up the phone to the terrorists or whatever, kind of inspired by Hollywood movies here. <laughs> is is yeah. that what you're thinking when you say FBI negotiator? Yeah, and there's a very famous one called Chris Voss, and he's written a book, and he's got a, a is that never, presence never split online. The difference? Yes, exactly. And and look, these techniques are all right, but you don't need to be like that. As in, it's one of the best academically researched areas of behavioral psychology. And, and one of the main things is to know what you want to achieve. And, and that's done in a quiet room on your own. And there's, there's a couple of things you need to do. You need to work out what, what the, ta- the technicians call their banner. But what it really is, 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 is what would make you walk away. The banner stands for best alternative to a negotiated agreement. Okay. I.e., if you can't find an agreement, what would you be happy doing outside of this room, outside of what you're talking about? And that gives you the confidence. You know exactly what the worst case scenario is. The worst case scenario is you walk away and you do what you were planning to do without this agreement. Be buy from another supplier, stay in your existing job, not get another job, not get a pay rise, you know, that sort of thing. Well, if I don't get a pay rise in this negotiation, I guess I'll just take my foot off the gas, not work so hard, and I will promise myself to walk the dog every day. Mm. 
and, and you just give yourself that, that's your fallback. And then the second thing you prepare is what's the best possible agreed position I could get to. So let's say it's a salary negotiation, which is a classic one. Mm. You might look up all the salaries of people who do similar jobs to you and information is actually much more available now than it might have been 20 years ago. And then maybe you even add 10% to it, right? Like, and, and you say, that's really like, if everything went right, what do I think would, I could get out of this? And that gives you sort of your bookends, right. if you like. And then the key is, well, if that best possible outcome might come to pass, where should I start? Yep. And you never start below that, do you? you I mean, if you start below that, you've, you've got rid of that best possible outcome before you yep. even started. And it's just having the confidence to say, well, I'm going to pitch a bit above that and, and, and to see what you can do. And then in a more complicated negotiation where there's lots of factors like holidays or, or pay mm. or location of your work or colleagues or role or job title, then you need to think about all of those things and how they trade off because where it gets confusing is somebody gives you something that doesn't have a financial aspect to yes. it. You really want it. You really like it. And you need to say, well, how do I value that? And how does that change my, my view on maybe the, the bit they, they call the distributed bit, the bit that has a number yeah. to it? Which if, it, so if everything's financial, it's nice and easy to compare. Well, you know, that's a thousand pounds, that's 2000. Okay. I can see the difference there. Yes. When you add in, and it's the same with something like a business case, I suppose, when you add in a qualitative benefit or, or impact, what sort of value do you give to that when you're weighing up both sides of the of the proverbial scales, right? And most retailers know this absolutely because the power of free, it's really interesting. There's behavioral psychology that, that you your brain is not wired to evaluate free. <laughs> <laughs> and you normally you normally overvalue food. Oh, really? It's really interesting. Yes, yes. So if somebody gives you free delivery, you normally ascribe a value to that much higher than the actual cost of delivery. Oh wow. That's very interesting and psychology so the, actually. I hadn't hadn't realized that. It's a great game for a retailer mm. to play, right? Because partly because you know you've priced your delivery at let's say 495 because on average, it costs you, let's say, £3.50 to deliver. But sometimes if they're in the Outer Hebrides, it costs you £45.95, yep. you know, and you've, you've evaluated that. But your, your cost of free delivery is probably £3.50. The perception of the free delivery is at least the £4.95. It might be higher mm. if somebody's not looked it up. And so, Particularly yes, if they're living the in the Outer Hebrides. <laughs> yeah. So gift with purchase has usually a much higher value because it makes you happy. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, you have a little whoop. That's great. Yeah, bonus. So the power of free in a or unexpected bonus. Yeah, in a negotiation. Yeah, very interesting. Very very powerful. Can we go back to the the prep side? Because let's assume we're talking a negotiation over money for starters. Mm. You've got to be careful that getting that sort of the batna and the best possible agreement. I get that. How do you prep and research the best place to start? Because if you start too high and hope to sort of proverbially meet in the middle, you yeah. could ris risk, you know, looking absolutely ridiculous and just quitting the negotiation so far. Certainly, I know there have been times where I've been on the receiving end of someone trying to go in high and it's like, no, end. <laughs> You're ri completely Done. out, head in the sky. <laughs> Yeah. How how do you prep for that? 
So the, the other bit of prep work that I glossed over is you have to do the same prep, but putting yourself in the shoes of the person on the other mm, side. Nice. So you, so you have to do your best to understand their banner and their best expected outcome. And it may well be that most serious negotiations start with a getting to know you. Well, I'm so glad we're here, Oliver. How, how, how are you enjoying your job at the moment? And have you got a sponsor for your podcast at the moment? Oh, how nice. Yes. Who was your last yeah. one? You know, all of that, right? That is not the niceties. What you're doing is you're listening mm. and, and you're listening all the time and you do as much prep before you go in the room and then you keep prepping, right? Like, and, and all the time you're, you're just trying to understand where they are. And then the rule of thumb is you go just inside outrageous. <laughs> And that, that's that's easy to research, is it? <laughs> it's really hard. It's really hard. <laughs> um, but yes, you need to work out what they will consider outrageous and you just go inside. And that's where the confidence comes in, right? Because probably that just inside outrageous from their point of view will seem equally outrageous for you as well, right? I would imagine. Yeah. And it's just having, having the but confidence also- to know that, knowing that also... We're going to go into a negotiation. I'm putting this out there as a starting point rather than an ending point because I know my my batner and I know my you know where where I I'm likely to end up. Yeah, and you know your best, mm. right? You know your best viewpoint, and you, and you're going with that best viewpoint in mind, and, and you're trying to fix that in your mind. It's a mindset thing. You're just saying, if I get everything right, I might get that best possible outcome and so this isn't outrageous and i can justify it because of a b and c right like and and that's what you need to be able to do you need to be able to argue your case so that it may seem outrageous to them but you can argue it oh it's very reasonable (laughs) you're getting a great deal and so yeah just inside outrageous just the amount that won't make them walk nice nice i like i like that so prep is really important from both sides i think that's a, a a fab golden nugget for, for people to think about what is the other person you know I know we're probably probably thinking of it but we're not thinking of their negotiating strategy perhaps yeah when we're negotiating Rosie what are, what are your views on you know again let's stay with the financial negotiation is it just a haggle on price or where do you draw the scope of the negotiation I think often you it's not it's not a hundred percent but often you can try and find the win-win mm-hmm and and I think if it's someone you want to have a preserved relationship going forward, so a supplier that regularly supplies you or your boss or your junior, you know, then you, you do want that ongoing relationship to be positive. And so you do want to try and characterize it as a win-win. That can make you a bit softer, mm-hmm. but you can classify that long, longer term relationship as part of the win from your point of view. And I think that's how you have to be quite careful not to only focus on the numbers Mm. and just to make sure. I was talking to a bunch of mostly female-run entrepreneurial small businesses and they were surprised, you know, that they said, but, you know, my supplier keeps squeezing me, you know, like I've got to sell on Etsy and how can I do this? And, And when I said, but your supplier needs you, they're like, well, I'm tiny. But are you tiny, but are you using it in a different use case? Or are you the beachhead to the new market? Or are you... You know, don't don't do yourself down. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, 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 look for the they're supplying you for a reason, right? Like, or maybe they've got one massive customer that does make them a lot of money, but they don't want to be at risk, you know, from having a single customer risk. And so, actually, they value the smaller ones as a group 
in aggregate because it gives them the offset from the risk that that one big yep. customer walks away. You just don't know, right? Like, and you have to sort of put yourself in their shoes and say, I'm sure I do bring benefits. And I think that helps you a great deal in your in your kind of tone and you can be yourself. You don't have to be, you don't have to lie. You don't have to make up stories. You just need to think of the positives. Mm. And how do you go about having that negotiation? Should we say, what do we need to think about in in the conversation, in the moment? Generally speaking, one-to-one, generally speaking, in-person, face-to-face. Obviously, these day and age, a lot is done on Zoom or, you know, you and I are speaking digitally, but we are face-to-face. And I think that that makes a ton of difference because you're listening probably more than you're speaking. Mm. And and that active listening and watching for signs and signals, watching for pauses, watching for teeth-sucking watching for genuine signs of, if you like, mild distress <laughs> is, is what you need to understand. Do you know what I mean? Because you need to, you need to, you need to understand if, if this is sort of genuine. And I think a lot of times people shy away from that. I have a lot of people, even, even employees, you know, who go, shall I put it in writing? And actually it's much better to do it face to face and you can build that rapport mm. and, and retain it right because at the end of the day you probably will have some disagreements and i'm british and the british are very very scared of disagreements right? like, <laughs> extra, extra politeness please <laughs> yes extra politeness you don't say what you mean right and so you do need to listen hard and you need to take those cultural norms into account and, and that is universally easier mm. if you can be in real life or, or or the digital equivalent i'm sort of reminded of those various stats that say actually you know the majority of our communication is in body language and in particular like you say in our facial body language as well and then you've got obviously all the tone of voice and then finally you've got the actual messaging right the, the words that are being used and i think yeah if you're negotiating on email suddenly you instantly cut out well the vast majority yeah. of the body language you miss the tone of voice but you get a little bit from written words and it's other things that you can get informationally but they also get skipped if you email so things is things like um people normally make exponentially decreasing offers right like so their first move might be significant and their second move might be much smaller either in number or in um concept mm-hmm. do you know what i mean whereas if you do this uh you know it might be like you make a significant move in the headline number, but then the next thing is, is you say, look, I really can't move on the headline anymore, but I could give you free delivery or I can enroll you in my loyalty program or you know that sort of thing. So these are all becoming smaller mm. and smaller concessions, aren't they? Whereas I think if you do the thing over email, you're tempted to move straight to the end. Right, yep. And that, and, and that doesn't give anybody a chance to understand what each other uh, means. That's interesting. So you, you miss that expiration in terms of understanding... Yeah, probably where their red lines are at, in different different aspects, but also the, the the reasons for why why the negotiations coming. Tell us tell us more about explaining the reasons why you can't go beyond this number or yeah. why you can't give that benefit. It's quite funny actually. Nibble is now global because we've got this Shopify app and and it can be downloaded anywhere in the world. And and we were slightly surprised, but very pleased to be downloaded significantly in India. Okay. And I was speaking to a, a, an Indian friend of mine and I said, you know, do you know much about the Indo- Indian retail market? You know, I'm just learning. And he said, well, of course, Nibble is popular. Negotiation in India is is expected. And I said, yes, I sort of guessed that. 
And and I said, but 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 why? And he said, well, how else would you understand what your customer wants? Mm, that's interesting. And I just loved yeah. it. I loved it. He was like, hmm, well, this is the conversation we have when you're buying something. How would I understand you if you just bought it? <laughs> and and it's so different, isn't it, from an English culture, you know, but actually quite important. And then he sees it as that exchange is part of who are you? What do you want? What makes you happy? You know, it's things like, well, if you could make a bulk purchase, I could do you a better deal. And that's mm. a win-win, right? Like, as long as you've got the shelf space for the extra tea bags, um, you know, why not buy 400 at the yep. same time? You know, if you can afford it, I'll probably give you a, a special deal on that. And so these are all deals that the retailer was always willing to offer, but just they never found out that that was on the table. Yeah, know? absolutely. I mean, Nibble is a lot of fun, right? I've I've tried negotiating with Nibble and, you know, it's super, super intelligent, but also super fun. What sort of, should we say, negotiating tactics do you find funny, effective when you when you are looking at how Nibble negotiates, when you yeah. look at how people negotiate with Nibble as well? So what's quite interesting is because Nibble's a chatbot and very clearly a chatbot and we don't try and dupe anybody, right? Like we're trying to trying to be pretty clear it's not a human <laughs> you you have to use a different range of mm. emotions this is what we discovered through trial and error right so if the chatbot got more and more angry or cross which may happen in a human negotiation right you you may make you may push someone to the edge of mm -hmm. cross right and and in a human negotiation as long as you keep it just that side of the line and you preserve relationships you might think well i've pushed them to the very edge i've got the best possible deal i've got but we found that people were targeting making Nibble cross. And, and so they, they actually didn't feel like they got a good deal unless Nibble got really angry. Okay. And, and so, so we found that very unproductive because no one knew where the right deal was. So instead, we, we deploy mm. humor. And uh, light touch humor is actually fine in personal negotiations interpersonally mm. with humans as well. Not rude, not belittling, but just a little bit of lighten the load, a little bit of, well, if that's what you really want to achieve, we, sh we shouldn't waste each other's time. And, and just say it with a smile and say, well, should we start again? Mm. You know, so, so, so you have to replace sort of genuine emotion with maybe a little bit of cheeky okay. humor. Otherwise it, 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 otherwise it doesn't really work. But all, the, all of the other tactics are just the same. So it's things like um, making it clear what's expected. So this is called anchoring. And this tactic is very, very important in human negotiations, which is try and make sure the conversation rests around an area where you are happy doing mm. a deal. And, and it's called anchoring and, and it's easiest done if you go first. So you, you set that slightly less than outrageous so offer and, and, yes. and then you're yes. more likely to end up near that outrageous number yeah. or, or proposition, whatever that is that you're offering. Exactly, exactly. And keep talking about the outrageous <laughs> number. Like it's not outrageous. You keep saying, and outrageous outcome is very reasonable because of this, this, and this. And then the outrageous outcome, and if you can, like a politician or like a press journalist, you get the other person to talk about outrageous outcome. And it even happens, it's even okay if that person goes, but the outrageous outcome you're talking about is outrageous because... Because the more times they say the outrageous outcome, the more you've anchored the conversation around the place you want to be. So, yeah. So there's a bit of anchoring. There's a bit of sort of decreasing mm -hmm. offers, right? Like you move quickly towards a zone where you think you can agree. And then after that, you move very, very, very mm. slowly, you know, because you're showing actually the movements I can make beyond this are very, very so small. It's, 
Shall yeah, we just agree? You know, where where are you picking over the the, the final bones? And actually, let's just some someone can concede to get the deal done, so to speak, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Arguably, the most important thing we do is what we call mm. reasons, and it's to do with not haggling over prices. To do with talking about brand mm. values. And so this is the time we've done it most effectively. Things like we were on a coffee brand, a premium fair trade coffee brand, and we said we can't go to that price because when you're fair trade, you pay your farmers a living wage. Surely you don't expect us to offer you that discount. Yep. And in that situation, no one's shopping on fair trade coffee unless they care a little bit about fair trade. And actually, when you put it in that circumstance, an extra couple of quid to make sure that the coffee farmers have a fair life feels about yeah. right, doesn't it? And that's not haggling. That's that's reiterating brand values, and and you can talk a lot about the product, you know, because somebody's already on the product detail page. They've already looked at it. They've already really considered buying it. Otherwise, they wouldn't mm. be talking to us. So you just reiterate, well, this product is made with premium organic cotton, or this is a product that's made that is built to last. I think you'll find it lasts longer than yeah. Other and that's where you can use some and of that humour in there as well, right? Uh, you know. You yeah. don't expect us to do and, this, and, or I think you'll find, yeah. Exactly. We have a lot of people say, I've seen it cheaper on Amazon. Amazon, And and for us, that shows a high degree of intent because they've probably mm -hmm. done their research or they're lying about doing research, which is quite close to having done research. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, or they say, I'm, I'm a loyal customer. Isn't that the best you can do? And things like that. And you respond appropriately and you say, for loyal customers, we do try and do the very best. How about this? You know, or for loyal customers... There's an offer of a gift with purchase, you know, so it doesn't have to be about the number. It can be about the mm, packing. That's really interesting. And having the confidence to to continue on, but equally know when to walk away yeah. as well, right? How, yes. how do you know, right, we've not come to an agreement. We're still miles away. When When's the right time rather than flogging the proverbial dead donkey? I think that one's really hard. And I think a lot of it is sometimes the confidence about sitting it out a bit longer than oh, really? you think it is. Especially if you're, it's something you want, right? And yeah. if you've got intent to, <laughs> to buy, whether it's a service, a product, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Putting it in your basket, keeping it till tomorrow, coming back again. Yeah. Not closing the conversation. I actually think it's probably worth never closing the conversation, right? Okay. right? And keep it open and see if you can do better and see if you can do better and see if you can do better, you know? And that's where you're not an FBI negotiator that needs to... Send in the SWAT team, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the SWAT team for the FBI guy is his yeah. partner. Yep, true. And he's decided that in advance. He said, look, if this carries on for more than 36 hours, I know that the diabetic in there is probably going to have a seizure anyway. And so therefore, the risk of that poor person dying in the SWAT team versus getting them the insulin they need, that's how they've done it, right? Like, or, or, or they've only got water to last them five days. I need the SWAT team to go in after six days because at that stage, everybody's outcome yep. is bad. And so the risk, you know, so that's his batter and that's what he's already done. And that's when he does give up. And so it does come back to your preparation. Mm. And you may, you may have another supplier who's willing to supply you slightly more expensive but on a longer term contract and they're they're sort of chewing at your email inbox and 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 at some stage you say right well, i'm going to give it till tomorrow morning and then i'm going to go with a slightly more expensive supplier and i'm going to find mm. the benefits in it you know i'm going to ask them to develop premium packaging at the same time or, yeah. or whatever it, it is that makes it better for you yeah fantastic this is uh it's been a, 
really interesting conversation. Is, is there any other sort of final tip or what's the biggest tip I suppose someone should take away when it comes to negotiating, be it with Nibble or uh, <laughs> or with another human? The most important is to practice. Okay. Yeah. I've got six-year-old twins. <laughs> I get their shoes on before they leave the house and that's a win. Yes. Understanding I mean, like, a minimum. You can practice. <laughs> exactly. You don't have to have socks, you but you must have shoes. <laughs> I'm not wishing to be silly, but you don't need to wait for the house purchase or the new job or the. You can just have little wins. Like the classic example is, is you're waiting in line to go for a coffee at the coffee machine mm-hmm. in the office, and somebody comes from the back and they go, "Oh, I need to go in front." And mostly people in the line will go, no, wait your turn. It's not your turn. If somebody comes from the back of the queue and they go, I'm so sorry, I'm running really late. And because of that, I really need a coffee. Somebody is going to let them in. And do you know why that is? It's because they've given a reason. Yep. And the reason was the weakest reason in the world, (laughs) right? I'm running late. I need a coffee. But because they've given a reason, they're more likely to succeed. And it's games like that that you can, that you can kind of force yourself to play i mean it's a bit arsy yeah. don't do it we, sh- we should apologize to all the cafes the and coffee shop <laughs> but but you know you can play all sorts of games and you can just challenge yourself or or on the anchoring you know i, I don't know you probably have conversations with your mm. spouse about who's going to do the dishes and stuff like that and you can just think oh okay i could not do the dishes but they will hate me all week so yeah what's my yeah interesting that and that practice will build the confidence and you can, yes, before you get to the big negotiation, shall we say, you get that confidence to come out. All the things we've spoken to today, you know, coming out with a, a near outrageous offer, doing the prep, both sides and so on. Yeah, fantastic. I pretty much in a business scenario, I pretty much never take, you know, if somebody says, oh, the price of this service is X, I pretty much never take that as X anymore. I sometimes have to give in to X, but yeah, I just have a go. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's, that's a, a good sound practice to help everyone get a, a better deal, a better win-win, should we say. Yeah. Rosie, thank you so much uh, for this conversation. How can people get in touch? How can they find out more about you and about Nibble as well? And perhaps how can they have a go? Yeah. So I'm quite active on LinkedIn. So you can find me by searching Rosie Bailey. And Nibble is like the little bite, N-I-B-B-L-E. And our website is nibble.shop. And if you want to practice your negotiation skills against a robot, you can do it there. And a lot of fun it is too. And yeah, thank you so much, Rosie. It's a great conversation, a great skill set, something that perhaps we're a little uncomfortable with. But I think after today's episode, I think hopefully everyone will feel motivated to go and have a go and be a little bit cheeky, be a little bit humorous and and ultimately drive a better result. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank you. What a great conversation there with Rosie Bailey from Nibble. And I do encourage you to check out Nibble. Very unique and innovative solution and a lot of fun as well. Head over to the show notes page at obandco.uk slash 222 and you can find out more about Rosie and about Nibble over there. Plus, sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing as well and find out which episode to check out next. Here are three suggestions for you.
Firstly, in episode 95, I was talking with Adrienne Carter, the face whisperer, and we were talking about how you can read faces for the win-win. And there's a great opportunity there to couple those learnings from that episode with Rosie's tips as well. Then in episode 213, number 213, I was talking with Simon Costigan about how effective change is all about people. And given that, negotiation is going to be an important part in those conversations. Another instance where negotiation is going to be critical are when you are integrating acquisitions, bringing together two different parties that actually are now one party. And you can check out more about how to make acquisitions and the integration of acquisitions successful in episode 215, number 215. So those are three episodes for you to go and check out right now. You'll find all of those links on obandco.uk slash 222. And I'll look forward to joining you on another episode of the Retail Transformation Show very, very soon. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.